0: At the beginning, that's the main thing people always say is, how the heck do I get the perfect amount of protein? Because I'm trying, but then my fat goes up really high, which makes sense because a lot of protein sources we think of meat, which comes with fat.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Tea Please podcast. If this is your first episode, I am so glad you're here. If this is your second or third episode, I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming back. We have a really great episode this week. That clip you just heard was from our guest this week, Allie Greisinger. She's an RDN, which is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and it's a really great episode full of a lot of information. We talk about body image. We talk about the scale. We talk BMI. We talk keto, and we get into... Some of the common struggles that we all kind of face with nutrition and trying to feel out what's best for our body and how to approach that. So, yeah, it's a really great episode. Before we get into it with Allie, you know I want to talk a little bit about something that I use on the daily that I think you'll really love. And this week I wanted to talk about this app that I use called Insight Timer for meditation and mindfulness, really. Um, So it's kind of similar to Headspace, but I really like Insight Timer because you have so many different options for what type of meditation you want to do. So they have like just a straight up timer that you can put some ambiance in the background and just put like a five to 10 minute, I mean, really whatever time you want on there. And then it will just, you know, let you know when your time is up if you want to do like a silent seated meditation. But they have so many guided options as well that I really love And they have courses. So not only do they have these guided meditations, but they also have courses that you can really hone in on one particular topic that you're trying to cultivate in your life. And it's just a really great tool and resource to have right on your phone. So to me, meditation is still very much hard, (laughs) like my mind is racing all the time. So I find it really difficult to sit and actually do one of these meditations, even if it is guided, because I think guided is definitely easier than just like a silent meditation. But what I've been doing is turning one of these on in the morning when I'm getting ready, like washing my face, brushing my teeth. I put on one of these like 10 minute morning gratitude meditations, and it's just a really great way to start your day and it starts you off in the right mindset, gets you thinking about something to be grateful for. And you're not just instantly going to, you know, what's in your inbox and what you have to do that day. So maybe try that if you have a hard time with, you know, being present in the moment, or if you'd really like to start cultivating a meditation practice, I would definitely recommend insight timer. If you're just looking to test it out, check out the free option. Cause you can get a lot out of it. I pay for the app, I think it's just $10 per month and you get access to everything and there's just thousands and thousands of meditations and courses on there. And I have this linked in the show notes for you if you want to check it out. I definitely recommend it. I also just want to say that I know that this week has been really, really tough and hard and emotional and all of that. So I just want to encourage you to check in with a friend this week and make a connection. You know, COVID is still a thing. We're still spending a lot of time at home. The news is really crazy. A lot can be overwhelming right now, so just a reminder to make a connection and take care of each other out there. One last thing, just to make sure you are following the Tea Please podcast on Instagram. We're doing a really fun giveaway this month, so go and check that out if you're not following already and make sure to enter before January 26th. Okay, now let's have Allie spill some tea. Okay. So one of my first questions that I just want to dive right into with you is how your relationship with food has changed over the years. Like what did that look like um, maybe in high school, college, and then how has that changed from now?
0: So there's been a lot of changes just going through the years. Starting out um, really fourth grade, I remember pretty vividly with being overweight. And, you know, I got bullied for being overweight and things like that. And I never really got involved with nutrition or physical activity. I kind of just accepted it. Um, And obviously as a fourth grader, it's kind of, ridiculous if you start thinking like that. So I'm kind of glad I didn't, but later on when you come to, you know, middle school and especially girls, they go through that time and it's just very emotional. Um, and then high school was really tough for me. I got to around 230 pounds and it was, uh, it was a breaking point for me because my mom and my dad put me through so many diets, put me through hospital programs for weight loss. Um, and I just rebelled
1: Your parents wanted that for you. Like, What what were the conversations they were having with you, or or what were they asking you to do?
0: They're very sweet, and I think it was a really hard topic for them. So they really tried to put me in situations such as the hospital weight loss program and things like that with younger kids my age to try to make me feel more comfortable. So I really appreciate them being like that, but the programs in and of itself was not the greatest. And- um. I'll come back to this but this is kind of where I'm leading to and my future is trying to rebuild programs like this to not focus on the scale. During high school got really obsessive with the scale mainly from these programs and when I was doing these programs I would binge at night because they told me I couldn't eat anything that I ever wanted to eat. So I would wake up in the middle of the night go to the pantry and just binge on goldfish and Oreos. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So both very, very, very skinny, um, fast metabolism. So we always had snacks in the house. And, you know, I'm I'm glad now that I did have those snacks because I learned how to control them. But during high school, I got to a point where um, I was just getting bullied. All my friends were, you know, finding boys. And it's just hard when you are bigger. Yes. Yeah.
1: Middle school is the worst on its own.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. Middle school and high school is tough when you aren't classified as the popular group or, you know, being a little bigger than the other girls. So one day I was just like, I'm over it. I, I need to do something for myself. I don't want anyone else to tell me what to do. So that's where I really started to research. What can I be doing? And finally, I was like, I'm just going to start you know, with a very simple thing. So I started to give up soda. I used to drink seven a day, unreal to think about.
1: What was your drink of choice? Oh god,
0: okay. Um, I loved Sunkiss back then. Okay. And you never see that anymore. It's so crazy.
1: I know that's not a common. I was expecting like the classic Diet Coke answer.
0: No, and then also like Mountain Dew Code Red, which Mountain Dew is just one of the worst with sugar. So. So good though. Oh, but it's so good. I know it's so good. (laughs) But I just kind of went back to, you know, okay, instead of seven a day, let me try six a day. And then six a day, we're going to move to five a day if I can really get a hold of it. And after like six months, I I wasn't really drinking anymore. I maybe had one soda a week and I got to the point now I I don't even keep soda. I keep, and thankfully we have those seltzers now like LaCroix. It saves my life. But um, I never I never really craved soda, even when it was in my house. So that's when I really started to realize how food is more of a fuel for my body and I can still eat what I want, but not as much as I'm used to and taking it very slow. And so that's kind of why I got involved with nutrition and dietetics, mainly because I know a lot of these diets around here, even like the hospitals, they just really, all they want is that number on the scale to go down. Okay. You're good. Move on. And that's just not how we work. We kind of need to understand that, Hey, we can eat what we want, but we need to understand that, Hey, we can't eat a bunch of candy in one sitting. You can have candy, but not a lot. It's just really understanding that. And um, that's why I'm a huge promoter yeah. of, you know, the more mindfulness of eating and the psychology behind eating. So that's kind of where I, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs with food.
1: That's such a relatable story. I know that I've had that experience too, of just like, having the wrong mindset about this stuff for a really long time. I'm curious about those programs or like the one that you went through. What's the tone, I guess, of those programs around nutrition? Is it kind of like cut and dry of like, this is bad, this is good? Or how was that? Like extreme? Yep,
0: exactly. It was a very cold turkey situation, which is the thing that I absolutely cannot stand anymore as a dietitian because I know how our body and mentally weight loss works. Um, I mean, they were very supportive and I, I don't blame them. No, it's like their education around it too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you, you know, you want what's best for your child. You want what's best for the people in your program and the way to really lose a lot of weight in a quick amount of time is to cut out a lot of things quickly. But always going back to that was never really sustainable and especially for a child you're telling them not to eat anything that you're going over to your friend's house and that's all they have so pizza soda snacks at night when you're having a sleepover it got to the point where i was just like hey i'm just gonna eat what i want you know f this program honestly because i'm like yeah I don't want someone telling me what to do. They got mad at me for gaining weight and it's because I'm eating, but no one knows that, you know, like especially with kids um, they're always hiding something when they go through those programs or they rebel and it's just human nature. And honestly, in my practice, I see that with adults too. We all do it. We all literally want what we can't have when things are taken away.
1: Yeah. I think that it would take just a certain type of person for that to work and not be hurtful or harmful in some way with your mentality around it. Like you'd really have to be that extremist of like, I'm here because I am like, have no control over any of this stuff, which might be true for a lot of people there. But then like, you'd have to respond to their tactics of kind of cutting everything out cold turkey, which- I would not do that at all. So (laughs) it would be really hard. No, not a lot of people would. Not a lot of people would. It's interesting. Yeah, I was just curious about that because I do know a few people in my life that have gone through similar programs for anorexia. And I've heard kind of the same thing, which is interesting because it's the opposite ends of the spectrum, maybe like overeating versus undereating. And they're approached in a very similar way.
0: (laughs) Oh, they are. And I'm a strong believer in always finding a mentor or someone to help you that's been through the situation or that has helped someone personally through the situation. Because in reality, you really don't know how it feels psychologically, both sides of the spectrum, Um, anorexia and obesity. They're very similar, actually, in when you go to counseling, you will get people telling you, you can't have this. You need to eat more of this. You need to Mm. eat more carbs. And I know you don't like carbs, but it's important to always know that you're going to find someone that can help you that has kind of gone through the same situation. So they know, okay, you're going through this. I understand you don't like carbs and figure out how to get through it together. Um, So I think a lot of the bigger programs Um, especially like bigger hospitals or weight watchers is not bad, but something like, you know, corporate weight loss programs, they tend to lose sight of the psychology part of it. They just want that number to go down and for their program to work. So, and that's the same thing with anorexia. You're totally right. It's, it's really actually crazy how similar the approach is for a lot of programs.
1: You mentioned wanting to maybe change some things about this, or what's kind of your mission or long-term goal with these programs if if that is your focus or it doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah. Coming out of college, I got my master's and my BS in human nutrition at the University of Alabama. And coming out of this I tried to look for jobs um, within my field right when quarantine started in the middle of Denver, Colorado, where this dietitian field is very saturated already. And I realized that the hard way. And I just, you know, woke up one morning and I was like, I guess I'm going to reach my goals a lot quicker than I wanted. I, I thought I was going to go into a hospital, work for a couple years and then kind of reach my goals of starting my own practice and things like that. But when you're presented with the situation, you kind of have to think on your feet on how you can help people and use your degree that you absolutely love. What my mission was, was to start my own business. So I already passed that. Um, I have amazing clients. But um, in the future, I really want to focus more on the childhood side of obesity and overweight. Mainly in high school, I would love to do a pitch to the you know, Denver public schools just to try to get nutrition into their curriculums, not just physical activity, PE, things like that, but actually have a fun nutrition class. And, you know, I would love to be the teacher of it and do trial runs and things like that, but really just focusing more on how nutrition nourishes the body, how it fuels the body and never, ever talking about Um, you know, the scale, how our bodies look and how they should look. Yeah.
1: When I was that age and I thought of nutrition, I was just like, okay, that means like salads and like healthy food. That's nutrition. And it is, but it's so much more. (laughs) We need that. We need those programs in our schools. And and at that age, I totally agree because I was very confused. And just knowing like you're isolated in your family's habits. So- I had no idea that some of the habits that my family had were like considered unhealthy or like I would go to restaurants and have like five sodas in one sitting with my dinner because it was like free refills. <laughs> then I was like, wow, now that I'm older, I'm like, I can't believe that I did that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And those free refills get you. You don't realize how much you're eating or drinking, I guess. I you're know. Really consuming a lot of calories.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like a whole meal of sugar just by – as I'm drinking my like sugar – starbucks here but you know it's friday i had to do it
0: you're fine it's friday enjoy it don't feel guilty you deserve it i
1: don't feel guilty about this one this is a good one okay cool what did you get from those programs that you went through is that when you started making healthier or healthier changes on your side or when did that change kind of happen for you
0: they never really made any difference um i'll be honest but I rebelled for probably a year after. Um, and then when I hit my the end of my sophomore year, I really struggled with body image and I really struggled with, I was a high school girl that really wanted to have a boyfriend and be like my other friends. And no one obviously was into that, but I was like, all right, I'm over it. Like I, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm yeah. miserable. I'm just going to figure this out on my own and I don't want anyone else to help me. You know, as a high schooler, you're always, I'm, I'm me and I'm going to do me and blah, 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 blah. But it, it helped me actually. It really pushed me forward to where I am today and realizing that nutrition is a game. Honestly, it's kind of understanding how your body reacts to certain foods and what you can have and what you have to limit. Um, I never say to cut out anything, but I do know I have things that probably won't make my stomach the happiest, um, but I still enjoy it every now and then and I know what's coming and um, that's that's the point with nutrition and mm-hmm. staying with it is allowing yourself to have kind of like your Starbucks, to have those times where you know it's not the greatest, but you're going to enjoy it and you're going to know that, hey, I don't eat this every single day. It's fine
1: like allowing yourself to enjoy that and then having some healthy practices in place to let you actually allow that. Because if I did have this every day, I would not be fully enjoying it because I would have like a little bit of guilt from that because it doesn't make me feel good. Not like because I shouldn't have it, but like I've got to the point where I know, like you said, some things don't make you feel good. So if you can kind of like tune into that, I think that's a really helpful tool.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So what about some of the diets that are floating around? I want to get your thoughts on that, specifically like the keto, Whole30, some of those that that to me like seem pretty healthy. Like if I could follow them, I would be like, yeah, I'm healthy. I don't have the most discipline and I'm not very motivated by strict guidelines because I'm like the rebel and I'm like, no. There is another way to do this. But I know a lot of people do like to follow them. So what are your thoughts on some of those? I never
0: really like to knock down people. I personally don't like them, mainly because they restrict you from things. Every single one of those diets tells you you can't have a certain food group. Most of them right now, so like the keto and even Atkins back then, which is pretty much keto, you can't have a lot of carbs and most of the time you can't really have any. The one thing that I stress to people that are doing keto, if you're going to do keto, I want you to be with a doctor and I want you to be, you know, going to him or her every other week to make sure you're in ketosis because a lot of people just think oh it's a keto diet i'm gonna lose weight and then i'll be good whereas the keto diet really was made for epilepsy it really helped with epileptic kids a lot of people just think keto hey i can go and eat any type of fat any type of protein and Maybe have like one little serving of carbs a day and be fine. And yes, you're going to lose weight because you're taking away a whole food group that you used to eat all the time. That happens with anything. Yeah. But in reality, most people can't stick to keto. It's very hard. It's very difficult, especially if you are following it to a T. Like I was mentioning, if you follow it to a T, you should be in ketosis all the time, which means that you are burning the fat Mm. 1st instead of the carbs. So when you eat carbs, that's your main source of energy in your brain. And that's why I tell people you need carbs. And when you do keto, that's why you're sleeping at a meeting. True story. When I was interning, one of the doctors fell asleep in every single meeting because he was doing keto. You just don't have that fuel for your brain and your body is working on that fat, which sounds amazing because you're burning fat, right? Except when you realize that you're not getting enough energy for your brain to function you start to fall asleep you feel lethargic you can't play with your kids anymore i know people that have lost hair that have lost nails from this because they don't get all the nutrients there's just so many things and and going back to that doctor if you want to do keto find someone i know dieticians that actually praise keto we're all so different you know it's your decision i personally don't agree with it but if you do go find a medical professional because it can get really dangerous if you don't know what you're doing it can really mess up your whole system in your body i mean that makes sense to me because it's it,
1: it's pretty extreme i guess you could say that with the the guidelines that are in the keto diet. I found that um, just in my own life, like people with addictive personalities can do really well on those types of programs, because they respond really well to that type of structure. But a lot of people don't have that. And that's perfectly fine. And like, maybe that's not what you should be following to begin with.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I know, I know some people that have been on the keto diet for over a year, which I will tell you right now, that's like 1% of the population. I mean, it's just very hard. It's, You can't go out and you can't have fun, like, unless you just want... You know, to have one little drink, but I mean, even alcoholic drinks aren't really allowed because that's carbs and sugar. And you know, the biggest thing with keto is I've been seeing a lot, um, especially on Pinterest. I'm always on Pinterest looking at recipes, and I gear towards my clients. So if they really want some low carb recipes, I'll find low carb recipes that still have carbs in them, healthy carbs. Um, so like starchy vegetables such as like sweet potatoes or squash, but then have you know a little more protein and fat in it rather than just adding a bunch of sugar or you know cinnamon sugar on top of your sweet potato or something i always say if you're gonna do the keto don't focus on the fat content of it understand that you still need to watch your fat intake and you still need to understand that a breakfast sandwich that's literally just eggs and like 10 pieces of bacon and sausage is probably not the greatest for you. And I'm saying this because a lot of people do it. They go to a restaurant. Oh, I can't have carbs, but I can have a steak. I can have as much butter as I want when in reality, all that saturated fat is doing is clogging those arteries, not all the time. But if you're thinking about it in the long run, having a lot of saturated fat and just fat in general, overstuffing your body with it is going to lead to, you know, may lead to heart problems in the long run. So also learning what fats are healthier for you. What proteins can you get that are healthier for you? What
1: proteins are healthier for you? Because I've heard eggs are good for you. I've heard eggs are bad for you. I've heard turkey is better than chicken. I've heard grass-fed beef is better than all of these. Like, what's the deal? When
0: I talk about protein, first of all, it's just really hard to get protein into the diet. When you start tracking your foods, um, which is what I do with my clients for a little bit, at the end of the program, I get them to get off of it because that's just not sustainable to track your foods your whole life. But at the beginning, that's the main thing people always say is, how the heck do I get the perfect amount of protein? Because I'm trying, but then my fat goes up really high, which makes sense because a lot of protein sources, we think of meat, which comes with fat. I always tell people, I don't care if you eat an egg or not. Eggs are great. Now, if you have trouble with cholesterol, I always say use egg whites because the yolk has a lot of cholesterol. You know, I always tell people most protein is fine. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say turkey's better than chicken, chicken, you know. If you are looking for higher protein with less fat, obviously those plant-based proteins, so beans, edamame, chickpeas, things like that are really, really good. Nut butters I know have a lot of fat in them, but they're great. Healthy fats. You just have to watch out. Like I said, with that saturated fat, peanut butter can add up, but still it can add a lot of protein. And I always suggest adding a spoonful or two to your breakfast every morning to get those healthy fats and that protein in Mm -hmm. before you even start the day. With meat wise, I always tell people go for the lean meats. I don't care what it is. Even if it's a filet mignon, try getting that over a prime rib or a ribeye, you know, always look for the marbling. If you can go for the less marbled meat, so the less fatty meats, go for that. I'm a huge, huge fan of ground chicken, ground turkey for burgers. Um, I even like to mix in ground beef with ground chicken, so you can still have that beefy flavor, but getting a little less fat.
1: Ooh, that's a good trick, because I don't want to eat a lot of meat, so trying to find like where that comes from, and then I just end up eating a lot of eggs, so... I think yeah. So I the ground, the ground
0: meats are my favorite because you can really use that in everything. I mean, if you want to add protein to soup, ground chicken with a little bit of ground beef mixed in is amazing. And I know winter is coming up, and soups are my go-to yeah. because I can add as many vegetables in there as I want, and everyone, including all the kiddos, love it. So, it's my little secret on how I can get more protein, healthier fats, and vegetables all in one. And everyone, including the five year old, eats it. There's a bunch of things when it comes to protein, (laughs) but I would, I always say, you know, I wouldn't suggest eating eggs all the time, but eggs are great for you. They're a great start to your morning. And then just go for the lean meats. There's so many of them. And nowadays, there's just, every area, even frozen, has some amazing choices for lean meats. There's always sales on meats, even at Whole Foods. And I know Whole Foods is expensive, but they always have this one section that has like half off Mm. amazing cuts of steak. And I load it up because normally it's you know, some of them are fatty, but I just cut the fat off and give it to my fiance. You know, I just get that and I freeze it and I utilize that. And even with like stir fries and stuff, I take half of the steak, cut it up, and then I take two chicken breasts. So you're still getting that steak flavor, Mm. but you're also having that chicken.
1: Okay. I like that. I'm going to start mixing my, my ground chicken and turkey together or some beef. Cause I love burgers. I'm like, Burgers are my weakness, but I don't like to eat them all the time for obvious reasons. So that would be a good trick. Okay, so let's skip around. We talked about um, at the beginning a little bit of like body image stuff. And we talked about the scale. I would love to talk about it more because I think the scale, like we've heard that message around the scale of like basically pay it a little bit of attention, but not very much. And I just think it's really hard to do. I've only recently stopped using the scale within the last year because I was so fed up with like, I did the other lifestyle changes where I started working out consistently for the first time in my life. I started making some diet changes and was feeling better. And then I would step on the scale and it was the exact same. And I was like, screw this. I hate it. I don't even want to be on it anymore because it just messes with you. So I'm curious what your take is on the scale. I know you've touched on a little bit. And then also like the BMI scale, really curious about that. I've heard about it come up more in conversation lately. I've basically just heard like, it's not the best way to measure your health. And so I'm curious what you think about that.
0: This is a lot. And I love this. I'll be honest with you. I got rid of the scale a year ago too. um, And I still have those tendencies. I also nanny part-time just because I love kiddos. They have a scale and I put it behind their toilet because I know for a fact that I would probably step on it. It Why is is it so tempting? tempting? (laughs) It's that mental side of it. It's just, that's what we were taught. Like when you're in school, you are taught how much do you weigh how tall are you? Oh, you're overweight. Oh, you're obese. Oh, you're underweight. Oh, whatever. So it was just very cut and dry. When you're in my profession, you learn that it is totally, totally far from cut and dry, that there's just so many things that go into your weight. And I was struggling with the same thing that you were. I'm a very competitive person, more with myself than anybody else. So I was like, I'm going to run a half marathon. In my mind, I'm like, there's no way you can do that, Allie. You don't even like to run. Well, I've done two and I have another one coming up, but it got canceled. And during that process, I became really, really, really obsessive with the scale because I saw my body changing. And this was only two years ago. A little side note, we all still go through this. And I I think that's important for people to understand that as a dietitian, I still go through this stuff and I'm very honest about it. And I tell my clients that. I would weigh myself constantly. I would lose 2 pounds one day, the next day I would gain 3. I would lose 2 pounds, I would gain 5. It got to the point of me talking to my fiance every day mm-hmm. and looking at myself in the mirror, I hate my body, I'm fat. And he would get sick of it. Not not in a bad way. He would be like, "Oh my gosh, what do you what do you see because you're you're beautiful you, like if you lost any more weight you would look scary and things like that but another side note he he's never been through that yeah they don't get they the don't. same they conditioning don't. a lot of people don't understand even i have some girlfriends that'll understand that are really tiny so in my mind i thought that i was still big and when i looked in the mirror i thought that i was still big only because of the scale before i weighed myself i thought i looked damn good and then i got on the scale and it said differently and that's when that's when my whole brain just shut down and i was like well f this i don't want to do any of this anymore why am i working so hard and not seeing results but taking a step back and saying i'm throwing this away i'm not putting any more batteries in it i'm done i cannot deal with it to now my relationship, and I'll tell you right now, I still deal with body image issues. I still look in the mirror sometimes and I know when I get a little more fat on me that my thighs are a little bigger. But I don't weigh myself anymore because I know the image and the way my clothes are fitting and the pictures are telling more than that number on the scale. And guess what? No one knows that number on the scale. It's not like you go around saying, hey, I'm 150 pounds and I'm Allie Greisinger, you know? It's more of yeah. what people see. And honestly, what I've been doing in my Facebook group, my private one, did an exercise with them and it was so interesting. I said, hey, everybody, sit down right now, take out a piece of paper and write down five things you love about yourself. And the number one thing everyone said was, I, I don't know, which I think is so sad. Like, And, and it's true though, because I tried it at first and I'm like, um, my hair, like that's all.
1: Yeah, or the answer is just like, well, I guess this is fine. Not like, yeah, oh, I love or my, this thing. My
0: personality is good, kind of. And I'm like, okay, guys, we yeah. gotta refrain <laughs> this. Like, let's let's talk about this real quick. And then I made people pick out things that they didn't like about themselves, and it was list and list, and no one could shut up, and no one could stop talking. And I'm like, okay, guys, we're gonna put this together. Do you see how sad this is? And do you see how most of the things that you don't like about yourself. None of us even recognized, and honestly, sometimes, like, I have a friend and I'm like, I wish I had your butt. Honestly, I love your butt. She was like, Wow, I'm like really insecure about that. And it's crazy what our brains yeah. do, and that has made me realize, especially working with clients and getting more deep into this. Um, just in the past year, is learning that. We are so, so hurtful to ourselves more than anyone else will ever be. When you take a step back and realize that, you you start to calm down a little bit. And that's what kind of, I know we were talking about, you know, how, how do I get out of that funk of body image days that I just cannot stand? Is just taking a step back and being like, the other day someone told me they love this about me and I didn't even like it. The other day, my sister said, I wish I had this, but I didn't even notice that on my body. Why am I being so critical? I know that I'm being healthy. I know that I can still have fun. And I know that there's going to be days that I don't like my body. But in the long run, I got away from the scale, which was a toxic relationship. And I also got away with my Apple Watch, mainly because I got obsessive with that thing. I mean, going back to my competitive side with my own self. When I would work out with the watch, I would maybe work out for an hour and a half and be mad that I only burned 700 calories. That's sick. I didn't realize that at the time. I just thought, you know, if I didn't burn above 700 calories, which is insane for a workout, let me just tell you, I hated myself and I went to the mirror and I thought I was fat and I thought I was, you know, all of these things. Now I don't wear that and I actually enjoy working out again. I actually enjoy just being in the gym and doing things and listening to my body and knowing if I have a cramp in my stomach, it's probably time to go. Um, So I always tell my clients, take away those triggers, take away anything that really makes you want to give up when you know that you're doing the best you can.
1: I mean, it can be really defeating. And I think focusing on how you feel we hear that a lot, but like actually focusing on how you feel versus even what you see, because even like the mirror can mess Mm -hmm. with me sometimes, depending on like the time of the month and just how I'm feeling. (laughs) And so sometimes I don't feel good. And then I'm just like, well, I felt really good yesterday. So what has changed? Literally nothing. So maybe I just need to like ride this one out and we're good. But I think it's hard to to feel the changes that like everyone is going to feel, you can't feel like the same in your body every single day of your life. Like that's not realistic. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. But I think really looking at like what has changed from one day to the next, because that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we feel really good in this outfit. And then the next day we're like, man, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was thinking. And that just messes with your mind so much. So just having grace with like yourself and understanding that, that feeling's oh, yeah. probably gonna pass, and especially too.
0: for women. Like, sorry guys, but your time of the month that <laughs> really screws with your brain because you're bloated, so you bad. have cramps, you feel like crap. Obviously, your stomach is sticking out a little more. That is all natural, but it's still so hard to get past it. And I totally understand it. It's it's a lot harder to say yeah. that you need to you know get over it. You're the time of the month. Move on. Um, then actually, like, put that into practice, but still think about it once you start thinking about it, and once you start talking to yourself, which sounds hilarious and really stupid, but it helps so yeah. much. Just taking a step back and saying, Why do I feel like this today? It's not possible to gain pounds after one single day, but the scale will show you that. And it's important to note that. Every scale is different. So why do we trust scales so much?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. I agree with you on a lot of that. I've experienced a lot of kind of the same mental blocks around the scale as well. But BMI,
0: we can talk about BMI real quick. BMI, I feel personally, and I think a lot of dietitians will say this too, is kind of outdated. It is a very good tool, I feel like, more um, in the hospital for just patients in general that aren't you know, that aren't specifically trying to lose weight that are just your normal patients coming in for either surgery or, um, you know, their disease got a flare up or something, ICU. That's fine. That's just a small little thing you can go off of. But with my practice, I don't ever use BMI because there's just so many factors that go into your body weight. And this kind of goes back to the scale. It kind of reminds me of the scale there's just so many factors. And when you think about BMI, it's literally your height, your weight, and your age. Does BMI know that you are a professional athlete? Does BMI know that you, you know, Mm -hmm. are super, super competitive and lift weights and are trying to be a bodybuilder? There's, there's just so many things. Like my BMI says I'm like overweight. And it's because I lift weights almost every single day. And that's just what I like to do. And that's my stress reliever. So my BMI goes down with my weight, obviously, when I stop weightlifting and I just do cardio for six months or whatever, um, when I'm training for the half marathon. Mm -hmm. But that should just show you right there that BMI doesn't know what your body looks like. doesn't know what your body, what your body composition is. So personally, I I don't like to go off BMI. If you really want to know, go get, um, your body composition. So a bod pod looking at your body fat percentage, looking at your muscle to fat ratio, Things like that will give you a much better description.
1: Mm, so that's what like might be a better way to gauge your overall health is yep. to get like a full analysis. Um, I know there's things yep. like body scans exactly. and stuff And I out know there. a lot of
0: gyms are starting to do that more and more um, and actually offering it for free, which is insane. If you can do that for free.
1: I run ads for fitness gyms, and they are—they all offer that. So, and I would take advantage that. of it.
0: But I will say, fair warning: if you become—if you have that obsessive personality, it can get really obsessive.
1: In the same way, the scale exactly. can't anything else. So yeah. that's
0: just a fair warning. Um, I tell people if you want to do it, try not to go all the time. But I know people that get really obsessive and get get that same relationship with that as they do at the scale. So. Um, but no, I I don't really like BMI personally. Some dietitians might say differently, which is totally fine. We all have our opinions. Um, I just think it's a little outdated and not the best way to tell. And I think that goes back to high school. I remember learning
1: about BMI in high school and having the little check-ins and the PE coach would tell us what our BMI was. And mine was always overweight too. And it would make yeah, me feel so right? bad.
0: And like most of the people that are overweight are not actually overweight. Um, it's just the way your body. It also yeah. comes in play with your bone mass. There are people that are built with huge bones versus people with small, very petite, you know, tiny figures. Um, so yeah. there's a lot that goes into it that is not considered, but it is a good tool for, um, especially hospitals, just to have a small little point um, to track. But other than that, if you're doing weight loss or um, trying to help with anorexia or anything like that, no, I, I would never, I would never use BMI.
1: Okay, I like the idea of getting like a full scan though with more. It's just more data points. There's more, more that goes into like the overall analysis and the data that you're getting. So I like that much better. Where can we find you online? Like how can we get involved with your services? Where's The best, the best way to reach you? me
0: is on Facebook, Allie Greisinger, MS RDN, or you can type in the little search at some food for thought, all lowercase S O M E F O R some food for thought. Hold on. S O M E F O O D F O R and then thought. Um, some people put the four in there for four, but it's actually F-O-R. And then my Instagram is the same thing. So at some food for thought, when you click on it, you'll see my name at the top. He'll just be Allie Greisinger. Those are my best places to reach me, or you can reach me by email, amgnutritionconsulting at gmail.com. But I'm very, 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 very good at answering messages on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm on there all the time doing marketing, marketing for myself.
1: I love your Instagram and Facebook content because I started following you and you put out a lot of good stuff, like educational content about like food swaps and just how to have that healthy mindset about everything. So yeah, your social platforms are awesome. So everyone should go check it out. That is it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got a little bit of something out of that episode. I know that I did. And this is just your friendly reminder that you can really do a lot to encourage and support your favorite creators, whether if it's on Instagram or different podcasts, a like, a share, a comment, a review. Those things go a long, long way for your favorite creators. So just keep that in mind, okay?